Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel and Adam for the 12th episode of Horror Express, and tonight we're talking about the 1982 film Poltergeist. This was directed by Toby Hooper. Am I pronouncing that right? Is it Toby Hooper? I believe so. Okay, Toby Hooper, and it's uh, produced by Steven Spielberg, and it definitely has a Spielberg feel. I think he did the storyline as well. And uh, it stars uh, Joe Beth Williams and Craig T. Nelson. Um, it's all, and also the, the creepy little blonde girl. Um, uh, I don't remember her name, uh, but the daughter in the movie that everybody knows. And, uh, and, the, and the weird old lady um, the, that was in a lot of movies in the 80s, not just this one, but uh, the creepy old psychic lady. Uh, so, so, yeah, so obviously this is, uh, as you could probably tell from my introduction, this is not a movie that I'm as well-versed in as some of the other movies that we've done. And that's because I'm not the most enthusiastic Poltergeist viewer. And I was sort of, I will say, talked into uh, watching Poltergeist for, for Horror Express. And, and so, uh, you know, we, we all rewatched it. I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, I think. I think I saw it once when I was a kid, and then I saw it once sometime later, but I don't really remember when. And, uh, and so this was, this was um, my first time in a long while seeing it. I imagine it was the first time in a long while for you guys as well. The basic premise is a family is living in a house that is haunted, and it's apparently a poltergeist for some reason, even though that concept doesn't really hold up by the end of the movie, in my opinion. It's very complicated. I think that's always been my core issue with the movie, which we'll get into. Um, well, you can't really but, call the movie for kids Hellmouth, which would be a little more accurate. But yeah, but we'll we'll, just, we'll get into that stuff. Yeah, but, we'll get to that. I, I think there's a whole topic there. But but basically, the house was 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 built on a on 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 a cemetery, and the developer just moved the headstones. They didn't move the bodies, and and that seems to be why all this stuff is happening. And the daughter gets sucked into the TV or into a netherworld of some kind, and then they have to go in and get her. And then there's kind of like stops and starts, and I don't know. It, it it all comes to a head when the house basically implodes some evening, because, in my view, you know. They get, um, and 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 if and again, if the movie, if uh, that that's sort of a I don't know that that's my negative recasting of the film. I feel like I feel like if I liked the movie, I would obviously be ta- talking about all those same beats very enthusiastically. But the movie just—I don't know. There's just—I I have a lot of issues with Poltergeist, and so, um, you know, I'm—I'm going to lay my cards out on the table and just, you know, be be blatant about my bias here. So, <laughs> what, what did you guys think of the film? Sorry, I'm uh, catch on I, the lap. I liked it fine. I mean, it's—it's it's weird because I mean, and we've been watching a bunch of horror movies now, and of all the horror movies we've watched, this is the one that tries the hardest to be the most comforting, to, like, get into the afterlife and the light, and, like, nothing, no one <laughs> no one dies in this movie. Yeah. It's, like, scary things happen to people, but it's, like, trying to set up a universe where, yeah, really scary things can happen, but, you know, Ooh. even if you die, it's still okay. Even if your face <laughs> peels off, it's still okay. It's, it's that, still okay, yeah. 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 Fair, that guy did leave after that. Yeah, he was. He, yeah, I mean, but that, but the worst that ever happens to anybody in this movie is they end up with a case of like serious anxiety, you know, after the fact because they had a bad dream in a haunted house. Like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, well, it, and the girl, the girl gets sucked a very into haunted the, house. Yeah, the girl oh, yeah, gets sucked it, into the. Even, 
other she realm. She gets sucked into the other realm for the majority of the runtime of this movie, and she's fine. Everything's fine. She doesn't even remember it. Yeah, no bad yeah. dreams for the little blonde girl. Really? <laughs> it's a real haunted house kind of movie where you go in, you get your scares, then you leave. And the understanding is that no one will die during the haunted house, you know? Yeah, I, 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 I again, this time around, it just, uh, I mean, it did do some things good. I, I do want to point out the things that it does well. It takes mundane things and slowly makes them all terrifying over the course of the movie. So it has something as simple as a tree outside the window that the more they focus on it, the more you realize the tree kind of looks like human shaped in a weird way. Or there's something off, like there's just something ominous about this tree. And then the, and then the tree, you know, eventually becomes a source of, 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 of terror. But even in that case, I feel like they really kind of like hit the button on it too hard when they actually did execute it. Do you know what I mean? Like the, uh, there, the, there's this movie has like a, it almost has like two or three climaxes in it, which is, I think, part of the reason yeah, why. Yeah, it's really weird. Because you're right. That's really early in the runtime yeah. of this movie. That's one of the first big scares is the tr a tree swallows a little boy and his father has yeah. to like pull him out. Then it's sucked into this horrifying vortex, which just sort of vanishes off camera. And uh, and then they just sort of go and back they to mistake their it. lives. Well, well, see, here's the thing. I was thinking about it. If this whole movie had built up to that scene, I probably would have liked it. If, yeah. if, if it had been yeah. all about this haunting it's... centered on a tree, I think that could have been really cool. But it was kind of all over the map. And... and am I the only one who saw the clear homage to Evil Dead there? Yeah. Evil Dead 2 with a weird vortex. Yeah, tree gets yeah but Evil Dead 2 came out after. after. Yeah, Evil Dead 2 came out after this, I believe. Oh, um, really? Yeah, Evil yeah. Dead 1, I'm trying to, I don't remember if that was... Was that 81 or 83? Evil uh... Dead 1. I don't know on Evil Dead One, but I remember when Evil Dead Two came out in the theater. I saw it, so I, I know I know that was definitely way after yeah. Poltergeist, probably like five years yeah. or so. But maybe, well, maybe not. But I liked I liked I what they did with the tornado, which they didn't really commit to, which they should have. Was there was like it created room for confusion so that the tree could all be explained as a product of a tornado, just like the earthquake. And I liked those elements, but I just feel like they didn't commit to them enough. Do you know what I mean? Like the, no, like, they, yeah, they very rapidly deteriorated into it's a monster ghost. Well, it's yeah. I mean, it really because then they did some nice subtle things like the whole thing with the chairs in the kitchen. I I yeah. really like that. That's yeah, really I agree. what I thought. If they if they had more stuff like that in the lead up, like you say, save the tree. Honestly, you could have moved the clown scene up further, and that would have been yes, yes, an easier thing to have at the beginning than the tree. I mean, well, it depends how you look at it because from a power perspective, the tree is bigger and more imposing but on the other hand i think the clown is actually the scarier threat of the two so yeah that, that, that clown was was nightmarish yeah yeah i'm kind of rethinking how i feel about that but, no i think they they were placed in pretty good places but i mean like okay the the scale of the destruction of the tree is enormous on the scale uh -huh. of the house being obliterated and it's just sort of like sucked up without any real consequence the clown thing like, that's not going to blow up your house. I mean, yeah, the clown's creepier, but it's also something that could be explained away with you had a nightmare, honey, which would have been interesting. You know, yeah, one of the kids yeah. had to deal with this in a more real way before the adults did. And and I will say this. I did, I did like, uh, just I want to focus on some positive things. I did like the foreshadowing that the movie did. Like, even down to, like, the Tweety Bird being dug up by the, um, by the tractor early on. Huh. You know, that mm -hmm. was, you know, that, that really yeah. did do, like, that you know it was kind of funny but it also did a good job of 
uh, of setting the expectations for when um, for when it's revealed that the bodies are still underground and uh, and kind of I don't know just kind of connecting like the the way that this whole place is kind of being recklessly developed uh, to, to the to the haunting um, for some reason I remembered the haunting being an, an ancient bur- Indian burial ground which yeah, it totally they wasn't. specifically mock that idea yeah, in yeah. the movie. Yeah, so I, I, I must have either remembered it from that or somebody recapped the movie later. And no, I just... Mandala effect, like, that's exactly how I remembered it, too. And you know what I think? That was the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror parody was an ancient Indian burial ground. Oh, I think that's where okay. I'm it's probably, yeah. I'd say even before that, I think people got that wrong. Because I can remember back in the 80s, people talking about, oh, it's on a burial ground. I think it's just because they bring up burial ground yeah. in the movie. Afterwards, people, it just, it just, you know what it is, too. When he says it, it's kind of like, it's not like it's an ancient Indian burial ground. Yeah. It's, like, it's like maybe he's denying too much. <laughs> that it's it... a cemetery built on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's layers and layers of angry dead people yeah but yeah. but that was that's why, I, there's, that's why there's multiple you know endings to the movie because you just got those layers of 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 vengefulness to work through but the, the the other thing about the movie that i don't like is it doesn't quite feel like a horror movie to me it feels like uh that's what i was getting at yeah. too with it like being so reassuring at points and yeah. so on like i said it has scary scenes no question but it ultimately wants you at the end to feel like okay everything's yeah. fine and, and also <laughs> the ends on a comedy beat, and know? and i think i think yeah. i think this would have probably been been like white noise you wouldn't have even have noticed it when the movie came out mm-hmm. and i don't remember noticing it as a kid mm-hmm. but the opening sequence is so spielberg that oh yeah do you know what i mean thing i noticed it even spielberg. back then okay okay <laughs> Even when this movie was new, it was just... Yeah, it, well, you know yeah, what, though, so Adam? Good. I was younger than you, so I probably just accepted that as this is yeah. how movies are done. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, and not just while, Spielberg, but like... it was done. I mean, like, because E.T. was like that. Like, a lot of really big blockbusters yeah. that formed your childhood The, the never-ending story was thing. like that, and that wasn't the a Spielberg movie. You know, like, they, they all just have that magical, you know... The, sort of magic in the suburbs or magic in the wherever the movie is set kind of thing magic mm-hmm. in the, in yeah, the urban bookshop like um, yeah um yeah a lot of them and and also there's like stupid goofed uh, sorry stupid goofy <laughs> stuff <laughs> so i apologize stupid goofy oh i love it Stu- i'm gonna be doing a lot of that tonight i feel like so just you know just we're just gonna have to you know those are it. called those are actually called spoonerisms you just committed a spoonerism there i thought that we had another well, that's a spoonerism why is it called mm-hmm. a spoonerism you, there was a guy that was named something spooner and he would switch the beginnings of words and it just okay. became known as a spoonerism. i i do that a lot but when i'm when i'm tired i do it a lot more so uh you're gonna be noticing that and a lot of times people don't even pick up on it i'll do it like i've heard podcasts that we've done and people don't notice that I'm doing it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I forget where I was going when, when we, uh, there were spoofy goofs all over the place. There were, uh, Oh, Oh yeah. There, there were like these weird things in there that are like, you know, relics of like just 1980 film, 80s films, which sometimes work in horror movies. But in this one, it was, it felt too European, not uh, too vacation or European vacation where Ooh, okay. uh, like, uh, like when, when, like the beer can scene where the guy brings the beer into the house and one of the yeah. beer cans is spraying. And I'm just thinking like, who's going to let a beer can spray all over the room like that? Like it, it was just, it was too much. Do you know what I mean? It was, uh, yeah. it, it was really driving me crazy. And the, um, and 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 the, and the kind of like really obnoxious neighbor thing too was 
not adding to yeah, the movie. That, it it might have worked in another type of horror movie, but in this one, it was actually countering the effect of, uh, of uh, it, it just wasn't like we were setting up a kids movie you know because that's how uh, that's how they write adults in kids movies is these sort of exaggerated caricatures you know there's that well, shot where like they're dueling with the remotes across the across their little patch of yard it's just like what is this? dennis the menace this is ludicrous well it's, other... it's very tonally inconsistent oh, with a thinking... movie yeah, I was just I just kept thinking it's like just go over to your TV, change the channel back with the buttons on your TV. They won't touch their remote again and you're done. Just, yeah. just yeah. such an easy solution. <laughs> well, and and also I don't think that's how remotes really work. Like I don't think that that's a problem. Not I mean that's picky. That's probably too picky. But the douchebag neighbor <laughs> thing was bothering me and I think the reason why is it made it harder for me to to become fond of the family itself. Do you know what I mean? Like the, 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 the first thing that I see the dad do is fighting with the neighbor and it doesn't near yeah. me to him. Do you it. Know it what seems mean? really petty. Yeah. Um, I will say that they really build up the, the emotional infrastructure of this family extraordinarily well in this movie. And it's vital because they, they rely on that in the climax of the movie, you know, when they I, go to save the daughter. Actually, what I think, I think that the whole movie is carried by, what's her name, Jo Beth Williams, the, 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 yeah. the, the mom. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, th I think that that is, because, I mean, Craig T. Nelson is fine, but he, his character's not very likable. Do you know what I mean? He's not the most likable dad in the movie. He, he's, he's, he's not. Uh, he's not likable, but he, he's sort of charming in a very particular way, you know? So I, I liked his performance quite a bit. I no no issue with the performance. I'm just talking just the character. The character to me was, um, it, the mom just was charming and and like I I liked the mom and and the, the mom dad was endearing. You know she was yeah. actually sweet and forthright, and the dad was a little more like world weary yeah. and sarcastic and maybe yeah. a little more selfish and lazy but i i found that to make him more relatable because i'm all of those things well except for being okay. world weary and I'm mostly just a jerk. no and I, and i and i don't want to say that because I, I like craig t nelson i like the i liked his performance like there was a scene with the chair where he where he's looking at the chair and he gets this look on his face like what the hell is going on and like those kind of <laughs> moments were great with him it's just that that uh, that i i didn't it took me a while to really feel like i even cared about the family do you know what i mean that mm. was um and and again i think that's a i think that happens in a lot of movies like this a lot of these kind of spielberg magical movies where there's mm. so much magic permeating everything that the human element <laughs> kind of gets lost do you know what i mean like the no no i i completely understand and there's yeah. for me the the point where it gets annoying is the soundtrack the okay, soundtrack was terrible and it was terrible at telling me what i was supposed to be feeling in the movie and it became just obnoxious by the end because it had this like la 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 happy times kind of soundtrack and like get out of my horror movie dude i'm gonna i'm gonna well, well i'm gonna disagree with you a little bit because uh, on the one hand i think you're right i think this was not a horror movie soundtrack like it opens up with the star spangled banner and we hear the star spangled banner twice which i'm sure was maybe contributing to some kind of theme in the movie because there's also a book where they're smoking pot and reading a book about Ronald Reagan so you know maybe there's some meta reason for the star spangled no. I think uh, I, the Star Spangled Banner was just about it being, but before the broadcast day was in. Okay, yeah, yeah, I because that's that's just a big association to me. I mean, back when TV channels shut down around midnight and played the Star Spangled Banner. No, I remember that too. I mean, but... 
I mean, back at the time when that movie came out, and even this time, it just it just gives you that feeling of it being really late at night. That's mm. what I, That's more what than anything, okay. used to associate the Star Spangled Banner with. But the it's problem, <laughs> the problem with using that as a device to denote how late it is, is the Star Spangled Banner is not a scary song, and uh, you know, it's like the opposite of a scary song. Uh, you know, I, don't know. I mean, you know, it. Uh, Depends on which side of America you are on. Well, yeah. I don't mean no. <laughs> just politics aside, I just mean like the tonal the sound. Politics are kind of scary. No, but the the the, the melody is very, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but, and, and, and overall, I would agree with Joel that the soundtrack itself is more um, evocative of of uh, you know, I don't know, something like ET or yeah. or Raiders of the Lost. It's very Amblin Entertainment. Yeah, kind of it's it's soundtrack. got that vibe. But mm -hmm. I have a fondness for these kinds of soundtracks because, like, in that opening yeah. scene that I was complaining about, the music is literally in sync with the movements of the bicycle. Like, you can feel the movement of the bike. But what I and I know we've moved away a lot from this kind of soundtrack. But one of the things I was noticing this time around, it, it, one scene I think um, the 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 lead female investigator, the, the psychologist lady, not the old creepy lady, but the, the, mm. the red haired one that drank the booze. You keep telling her creepy. I, she's one of my favorite performances. But she's, but she's a creepy old, I mean, I don't know. That, I that's don't a really creepy lady. Creepy either. I have to say, I you, mean, no, she's, I, she's, she's eccentric definitely, but I don't find her creepy. You guys are crazy. Is she she is super is creepy. Active. That lady is super <laughs> creepy. There is. Okay. She, so here, <laughs> you may be right. I might be biased. That lady looks and sounds and acts almost exactly like my actual real life grandmother. Uh, she's very Texan. She's very small, and she has a particular kind of command to her. No matter how insane she's, she's this, saying, sounds, she's got this round, like, okay, round face and this like diminutive yes. voice, and yes. and 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 You're she has really no. And and I, I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe your grandmother's creepy. So, I don't know. But. See, that's the thing. This is my my mamma growing up. So, like, I can't see that as creepy because this woman baked me cookies. You know, like I, that's my association. You may actually be right, though. I never I never thought of it from an outsider's perspective before. Well, I don't know. I she doesn't remind me of my grandmother, but I also don't find her creepy. So I'm okay. gonna take the middle. I think track. if we took a poll, nine out of ten people would find her creepy. I because I, I've always heard her described <laughs> as the creepy lady from set one up after the podcast. Here's right here's what I want you to do. Just go, don't agree with go, you. Google Google creepy lady from Poltergeist and see what pops up. All right. But uh, right now, people were doing it right now. But hey, uh, Beth yeah. Williams came up. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that aside, uh, there was a scene where the other lady, the psychologist, was talking, and the music was. Okay, like, I will say her name did come up. Zelda made yeah. Rubenstein. Yeah. So oh, wow, she was an activist. That's cool. Anyway. So so anyways, uh, one thing that you can't convey, you can convey it, but one thing that you like, you can, you can, you can, you, you can't, you can't like transmit emotions through the camera. Don't I mean, you could do things with mm -hmm. your face to, to denote them, but like, I can't physically feel your emotions. If like, if Adam is bored right now, I'm not, there's nothing that's going to make me feel the weight of his boredom. But he could pl he could play lucky music that would evoke that mood. Do you know what I mean? What, what was that? I said lucky for you. <laughs> but but 
<laughs> Adam, what you guys got to understand is Adam has been on point with these barbs all week. We've been playing games. And <laughs> this is this is not the first one that's been thrown at me. Um, but but the, the 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 but 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 music can like uh, it, it it can transmit that kind of emotion, and I I like that 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 is being conveyed through the music here because it's it's like i'm it's like i i, I feel like i'm re- it's really enabling me to connect with the emotion of the scene and the character in that moment um i know that it's heavy-handed for a lot of people but you know i i don't know i like my music to kind of like throttle me and give me you know you know really powerful emotions so i want my yeah. feelings spoon-fed to me well no no that see that's not what it is it's not your feelings are not being spoon you're becoming a conduit for these emotions you're actually feeling them do you know what I mean? There's a difference. I, I people people often mock the use of music in a movie because they think it's a cheap way to convey emotion. But I think it's you know why not actually have somebody experiencing the emotions of what's going I, on I in do, the film? You know, I do think we're broadening the discussion because here's the thing, and I'm actually agreeing with you because I, I agree that music has an important place in in the language of cinema, and I also agree that this soundtrack does an amazing job of doing that. But it's still completely tonally inappropriate. Yes, yes, I agree movie. with that part. Well, I agree that's with that. the one point where it really hurts me. I think I think it would be in a lot of cases tonally inappropriate for a horror movie. But what you're getting is a Spielberg movie. That's true. And the soundtrack true. is actually telling you what you're gonna get. So I cannot be that's, that's a fair Spielberg that's a fair that. statement. I I would say that it was the wrong choice. Still, that it shouldn't have been. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, or, or it, it the, or, too Spielberg-y. But, but also, like, Spielberg wasn't all this, always this way. Like, Jaws doesn't... I mean, Jaws has those elements, but it, but the soundtrack to Jaws is genuinely frightening. Do you know what I mean? Wasn't it's not an early Spielberg, though. It was, like, was but it's also... Really... But it's also a John Williams soundtrack, too. You know what I mean? So... You know, right, it, and, and Williams does amazing stuff, you know? Uh, who scored this movie, actually? That's a good question, because it is extremely This was a Jerry Goldsmith. Done. This was a Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack. Um, it doesn't sound cookie cutter it sounds familiar but it sounds familiar in a way that's still distinct and evocative that's the thing and it's hard for me to dislike this soundtrack because of how skillfully it is made it's obnoxious though because it's I feel like this sort of family friendly pablum music is being force fed to me over an otherwise somewhat eerie movie you know and it's well, and that's probably generational too, because we grew up like that's the music that that at least I grew up with with movies. Man, I grew up were. with that too. Like all the movies I quoted you earlier, are things I grew up watching. Okay. I mean, I grew I watched them on VHS instead of in the movie theater, but I still watch them. Okay. It's still same beats. Yeah, yeah, because you know? I, I that doesn't bother me so much. I did again with the bike scene. I did think it was maybe a little bit too tethered to. The it would have been action. fun if that were the establishing music, mm. and they completely abandon it later. Yeah. That would be amazing, actually. But they chose to consistently do that soundtrack, and it—I don't know. Like, I feel like they—they they could have been really brilliant with the soundtrack, and it's something actually eerie and unnerving, kind of invading it. And it could have been a, a metaphor for what was happening in the movie. You yeah. know, we could have felt that there was something invasive and unearthly coming in and doing something frightening yeah. and discordant with what we were familiar with and what we were comfortable with that's that's the movie but they didn't do that they yeah. they ultimately because it's a spielberg movie it's ultimately about oh. hope 
and an optimism and that's such that's such poison of the atmosphere of horror you know the, the other thing i don't like about this movie and maybe i'm just stupid maybe i missed something critical because i have only seen it like true three times. continue well three, three i've only seen it three times over three decades so i probably you know i'm not i'm not you know there's there's probably a poltergeist nerd out there that could say ah no you're wrong um <laughs> I don't feel like they clarify what they meant by there's some deeply evil presence in this. Okay, um, okay is that are you the poltergeist nerd in the room? Because I was I was coming up with theories watching the movie. So I, I I will say theories notwithstanding, it did seem vague to me as well. Oh yeah, that's why I was coming up with theories. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not discounting the way you felt. I I just like had to come up with my own explanation to deal with it, which is that at the beginning of the movie. It is a poltergeist, which is why it's fixated on the girl and deals with her. Then basically, uh, you know, there's, pol- you know, like I said, poltergeist are played to people, not to places. Then the, to use your definition, the creepy woman comes in and <laughs> she uh, cleanses the house, which means she does get rid of the poltergeist. But. The, uh, the fabric between reality and the spirit world has been damaged by these entrances. So all those buried dead that uh, are underneath the house now have, you know, with the poltergeist gone, they now have access to those elements there, which allows for the last part of the movie where the dead kind of start coming up through the swimming pool and all of that. So there's actually a poltergeist and a haunting, which is why they needed to, to uh, describe the definition well, for both. Well, let me ask you this. Is that a, an actual distinction that people make, too? Because I'm not, you know, familiar with um, paranormal. <sighs> I used to read a lot. When I was, like, a kid, I'd read all those, like, parish psychology yeah. books. So it's like, I think, so I think cool. someone has actually come up with those as, as definitions. At okay. some point. I, I don't know that, as I recall poltergeists are distinct from ghosts in that they physically interact with objects like a ghost is like a presence and a poltergeist is like something that's more physical and yeah, i think that's course, the actual distinguishing well, there, no, but there is also a distinction about them being attached to people that is definitely part of it because i mean ironically it's always the person who's faking the poltergeist but you know <laughs> but poltergeists are defined as they will happen around this particular person all the time that is part of it. but uh Instead of being tied to a place, they're tied to a person. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no matter where they move, they're doomed. That's fun. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> I, either way, I felt like, because the only clarification we get is she calls it the Beast, which is even more confusing, right? Because, yeah, because well, yeah. the Beast is definitely coded into, like, a satanic sort of thing. Uh, and she, the, the language she used to describe it is unusual, too, because she's like... They're all dead spirits, and they're confused, yeah. and some of them are in pain. But this one's actually like super evil too, yeah. and so he's not like. So I cracked it. I I figured it out. I, I know who the beast is. So the six 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 refers to Nero, right? So she's they're being haunted by a um by a dead Roman okay. emperor. That's the okay. uh, that's that's the only explanation. That's the only yeah. explanation that that works. Nero was uh, which uh which which I don't know. Nero's pretty creepy, so that could work, but. Okay, so that's another confusing point in the movie. And one of the climax scares is that like huge lanky ghost skeleton thing that's in front of the door. 
is that the beast or is that that's, just some that's what i'm talking there? about that's what i mean about this movie that i like i don't know what the beast is i feel like i feel like the movie was moving towards helping to solve some kind of mystery and you were like in, you were engaged with the process of yeah. solving this yeah, and then yeah. you don't really... get the clarity that you want you do get the nice reveal of well, oh it's... there are bodies under the thing but then you're like well, wait how does that connect with the beast i don't understand can somebody yeah. And it's, yeah, it's... there's movies where you don't ever get clarity, but that just adds to the unearthliness of it. But this isn't that case. This no, just feels no. like uh, this. They're well, just laid out stuff on. It's laid out in such bare, clear terms by our psychic, right? And it, we have no reason to doubt her because everything she says winds up being exactly true. Like mm -hmm. there's a few moments where she's like, "Oh, maybe I was wrong," but no, she was completely right about everything. Yeah, and then. We we get haunting number three transpire. It's crazy. <laughs> which they which have are... a huge. They they have the haunting that like the very initial one where the girl gets like devoured by the house, and they have the the second one where they they save her from the house. Then we have the third climax where everything goes off the rails and the house implodes. It's like what? Well, mm -hmm. and that's part. There, there's like a you know I know it's a Spielberg movie, and those are it's it's got that polished Spielberg look. I mean, it, mm. he didn't direct it, but it's got that polished Spielberg look. Which is and, debatable, actually. Yeah, they, well, he actually got sued over how much of a hand he had in directing it. So. Oh, really? So he actually... Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, why don't you guys talk about that a little bit before I go into my thing? Because I think that might be important. Basically, oh, yeah. I mean, he was making E.T. at the same time in the same neighborhood, basically. And he was kind of coming over all the time. And I don't... It's debatable whether... There's different versions. Either Toby Hooper was in over his head with this level of a production, mm -hmm. or Which is, Spielberg was just being a control freak and couldn't let him do what he wanted to do. But either way, Toby Hooper was like, just gonna. He, he, both versions are kind of like he was willing to just stand back and go, okay, you're the boss. So. Okay. And yeah, so Toby Hooper is a pretty easygoing dude. You can't direct um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre without having a little bit of a sense of humor about yourself. So <laughs> We really need to do the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at one point. We right? really do. I've actually only seen it one time, and I wasn't ready for how great it was. It's fantastic, people. Uh, unreserved recommendation of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the middle of my middling review of Poltergeist. So, But what I, what I also didn't like about this movie was there there was like a sloppiness to some of the edits and stuff that were like there was one scene where it just cut to them going to the next door neighbor's house and i was like wait a second what just happened that was there? jarring yeah yeah and then there was another yeah. scene where the daughter is screaming in the middle of the street and you don't actually see her going to the car it's not clear to, it wasn't clear to me as a viewer that she was in the car and and so i didn't You're know and, like the end of the movie at the end of the movie and, and it wasn't until the till like you actually see her in the car it's like oh she's in the car she's not stuck out by the house you know because the kids were all saying drive 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 and and yeah. i thought that they just drove off without her at first um and there were a lot of little scenes like that where the edits just felt like jumpy in a yeah I, I, yeah, there was another. I can't think of it, but I, can, I do can't. I do know there was at least one other place in the movie where it just felt jarring when yeah. something something went between two scenes. And 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 I, it was so much so that I was like, wait a. And again, I was also because of the clown scene hadn't happened yet. I was, am I watching yeah. the right version of Poltergeist? Like, is this like I, some special edition or? Uh, I had the same thing where I forgot how late in the movie the clown scene was mm -hmm. too. I was thinking like, oh, it's the second night. Yeah, the first night. You know, the the nothing too scary happens, but then the second night is when the cloud and then, yeah. oh, well, it doesn't. And then, yeah, and then, I feel like it feels like they they got all the scares of the climax and just kind of 
dotted them throughout the movie in a really uh, bizarre way. Yeah, because I was actually I was also surprised by the tree attacking so early too. That I was like, wow, that's a really big move this soon in the movie. Well, that's what I mean. Is I felt like they did such a good job of slowly building up this sense of dread around this tree that if they had, and they had been kind of doing that with a lot of things, if they had mm-hmm. saved that to the end of the movie. You know mm-hmm. that would have been. I just think it would have been so much more effective by by like by, by punching you with it midway through. It's sort of like okay, the cat's out of the bag, and then and and then and they kind of do that with a lot of the hauntings where they just kind of like okay, we're just going to show you the ghost now or whatever mm-hmm. you know. And like I I think they could have been more subtle, and not that every haunting or horror movie needs to be subtle. I'm not I'm you know I'm not that kind of a horror fan, but in this case they were doing a really good job with making it feel like oh is it an earthquake or is it a haunting is it a tornado or is it yeah, you know it, the, the... it was subtle until it completely wasn't yeah um, I, it, that that is really and it's just like with those yeah. cuts they're just jarring in a way that i don't know it it it, it doesn't feel quite right it's not you can't say it's bad because all those yeah. things are cool you know but they're but, just sloppy like you said they're sloppy but also yeah, it could be a sign of problems during the production i mean maybe that maybe maybe toby hooper was having problems and spielberg came in and yeah. did stuff you know because it was there's only so much there's there are just points where they just simply didn't have the footage that's to possible make a clean edit between two that, points that's so. possible but i just feel yeah. like this i don't know it, 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 I was also bored for the first half of the movie, which was a problem. You know, there were moments that I liked for the first half, but like there were a lot of moments where I was sitting there just thinking like, oh, I kind of hope this movie picks up its pace soon or, you know, you know, oh, gee, I got like a, an hour and 20 minutes left of this film. That's because it's a two hour movie. So uh, and it feels like a two hour movie, which to me, that's never a good sign. You know, if it feels like a two hour movie and it's two hours, you know, so I don't know that, you know. Like if I if this was a five star film, I would be giving it like two out of five stars for me. That's kind of that's kind of how you know yeah, how I, it lands. I might give it a another star or like half a star because like some of the, the scares are such good production value and so very cool. Um, but it almost feels more like a haunt. It's I'm, not like a a ghost movie. It's more like a scary haunted house Halloween kind of movie. And you know, you know? what? I'm not going to give it... I'm going to actually deduct points for the special effects because it's a big budget movie. I felt mm. that some of the special effects in it could have been even better and weren't. Do you know what I mean? Even for that time. Like the scene where the the cups are all rotating in the room, in the air, and all that, you know, that looked horrible. That looked really terrible. And there, it, it was... Yeah, the it, giant skull coming out of the closet is uh, the part for me where I was like, whoa, really? That's... Yeah. That's the effect you're using. Yeah. It just yeah. looked like something in an amusement park ride kind of well, thing. That's the thing. This movie is an amusement park ride, really. Well, I you're know. Going the, you're going into the scary house. What's behind the store? Oh, it's a big skull. And, and there were effects mm-hmm. that were good. It, like I said, like the tr- oh, like, yeah. like some of the stuff with the tree was good. Some of the stuff with like the, the gateway into the other world was kind of cool. And it became like a maw of some kind. And mm. the thing with the woman I, is I like... Oh, go ahead. What was it? I like that scene where she's running down the hallway and it keeps extending. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a, cool a good effect. one. That's a good one yeah. too. Um, there, there were really cool scenes. I like the scenes when the dead bodies are coming up out of the ground and they're not even really doing anything; they're just dead. Yeah. But that's really they're effective. Yeah, and it was cool effects. Um, 
but I feel like that 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 floating teacup scene was just so unforgivable for me because you know it, it, it looks so bad. They should they either shouldn't have done it or they should have literally just suspended things from strings so that they didn't look like they were so heavily because it looked because the green screen was that bad. It yeah. was pretty. Th- it was like Rancor from Return of the Jedi bad when Luke is in the Rancor's mm-hmm. hand. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's how no, bad it was. Um, yeah. You know what's weird about this movie? There's no thematic consistency to the scares. It just seems like the ghosts can kind of do whatever the hell they want. Mm-hmm. You ever notice that? Like, oh, it's a big skull now. Oh, it makes the hallway. Well, that was the other thing I was thinking. It, it felt like it was dipping its toes into like four or five other types of horror movies from that time period. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I felt like there were other franchises. Like, like you said, with like the, the giant skull, it feels like it's coming out of another movie almost. You know? And yeah. then... And so, uh, and may, maybe that was the point. Like you know, like like the end feels a little bit Ghostbusters to me for some reason when all the bodies. The are whole out thing has work. kind of a Ghostbustery vibe to yeah. it. Um, yeah, this was before Ghostbusters, though. But I, but yeah, I mean, a big a big thing it has in common with Ghostbusters too is they're both movies that really dig into that '70s parapsychology yeah. fad that you know was still around in the '80s. It's you know they both both tap into that but ghostbusters ironically being the comedy takes everything far more seriously yeah. and actually gets everything right whereas poltergeist yeah as we've said it just they, they give you these explanations but trying to get those explanations to match up with what's actually happening just doesn't yeah. well, well ghostbusters go- had dan Aykroyd on his side yes that guy knows his stuff when it comes to ghosts yeah exactly. that's true and it had a, and it had a you know, a, a really great ensemble cast, but like that movie is an example. That movie gets a lot of the same tones. It gets a lot of the same vibes and, you know, it kind of, a, it, it's similar, but it, to me, it works a lot better than, than Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe Poltergeist does suffer from the fact that it came before Ghostbusters and like there was a spark or something in it and Ghostbusters picked <laughs> up that spark and took it to the, the better place. But it's it's just there there are certain movies from this early '80s period that have a I don't know there's just, there's just I think we we kind of touched on this with American Werewolf in London and The Howling where uh, things were changing and movies were going in a new direction and it wasn't always clear where that direction was going and sometimes movies really nail it sometimes movies are like behind the times but it's okay like with the howling but this movie it just i don't know it just didn't uh it's at an awkward point yeah i would say i would say it's of its time too much because i mean people loved this movie when it came out i mean everyone at school would talk about it blah blah it was huge but there isn't any depth to it like i said it is the perfect 80s light horror movie i think which is not the right thing for us and it's like in some ways it just but i like hasn't a, aged as well but i like no a lot of special effects extravaganza and... but that's what i mean i like a lot of light horror from the 80s but this one just <laughs> it just the pacing or something was creaky do you mean there was something oh yeah. Was, yeah i agree with all your faults but yeah. i'm just saying that it but it's you know i'm just saying it's it's worth worth i think keeping in mind that this was a really well, I mean, obviously, everyone's oh. always had complaints about this movie, like them. Why didn't they leave the house, and you know that kind of thing. Well, and there are some things that are universally annoying about it. Is is 
And Brennan was pointing out everyone knows the little blonde girl, but like she's really and she does a great job. She really does, especially with a little kid. But man, God, kids in films are annoying. This one very much so because she's so endlessly parodied. You know? Yeah, well, that it's hard to be objective about that because it's so iconic. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's 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 like um. No, even at be, the time, can you be objective about Bella Lugosi's like, Dracula when it's well, so? Do you know I, what I mean? I think you can. I really think you can because you can look and evaluate her performance on its own merit. There, here was designed to be a tagline. You know, and the way she delivers it was designed to be something that you hear in a trailer, like "Whoa!" and it's dumb it's really stupid kids don't talk like that you know kids don't go to the marketing meeting yeah but see growing up with that constantly like being referenced and everything i had a very hard time of evaluating it at all like i just could it Uh just i I couldn't see it you know in a pure context they they are much more lucid than that and also much less like stagey than that you know my kids are going to use theater to to make it to obfuscate the fact that there's a goddamn ghost coming through the TV. They're going to use very specific language, you know? And that's why I like some of the modern takes with, uh, what was that? There's a show on Netflix that's really cool stuff with kids getting haunted, whatever it's called now. But, like, at one point, this 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 little girl, kind of the same idea, this little blonde girl, she can see dead people, and, like, there's this one particularly horrifying ghost that obviously had her neck broken in life, and mm-hmm. so she's called the Bent Neck Lady. And the kid's genuinely terrified of her. Like, you would be scared of a nightmare that you could kind of identify, and describes her as the Bent Neck Lady. And it's, okay. it hits you in the guts, because you're like, oh, God, I can't protect this kid from this horrifying vision. And she's genuinely, like, breaking down and scared. And, like, that's how a kid reacts, damn it. This whole... They're here. Fuck you. Yeah, but she's supposed to be... But I think the thing is she's supposed to be unusually at ease with these ghosts because she's got a line of communication with them. And so that was one of the parts of the movie that I was okay with, I suppose, because it was like, well, she's like clearly been talking to them on the phone, like that little play phone that she has. And she says, Daddy, it's for you. You know, I'm assuming that was actually one of the ghosts talking. You know, so... um, so I, I thought, that, and, and again, maybe I don't have kids, so maybe I just, you know. I'm, yeah, I, I do I'm, have kids, yeah, so, so trust me on this. They, they're they much more, they're much less innocent than they are written by screenwriters, especially though that that era of screenwriters had an infuriating tendency to idolize childhood in this uh, these this kind of perfectly pristine, adorable ways. And, and of course, studios and audiences ate that shit up at the time. But everyone with a brain knew it was garbage. You know, every critic lambasted that, and they rightfully did. It's it's trite, and it's condescending to the reality of childhood. That's uh, well, I was, I hate that. I hate it. Bothers me. I mean, I used to have nightmares as a kid. You know, I used to. I and and of course, I was a kid that loved ghost stories and scary stuff because it's neat. You know, mm-hmm. um, and my kids love that stuff too, and we just. That's not the relationship human beings of any age have to the supernatural. I, it's it's a it's a fiction, and it's a fiction that is insulting to the human condition. So I I take so much umbrage. Maybe this is way too much anger to put into this. I, I'm, I'm just like, I'm, well. I mean, it's fine. But... It's your opinion. You have every right to it. I just I, I, it's just uh, to me I, like a little kid communing with kid. the dead and and being kind of innocent about it is sort of like okay, I I get that. That makes sense to me. Like I like I have like nieces and nephews and. They have like imaginary friends, so I, I sort yeah. of imagine it on the same level as that. Like, okay, she she looks at it. In this day and age, with imaginary friends, that's interesting. What was that? 
I didn't know people still had imaginary friends, even kids. That's interesting. I think that's been going on since the dawn of time, right? I mean, well, I, I never had an imaginary friend growing up. My kids don't I, have imaginary friends. None of their little friends have imaginary friends. I, I didn't friends. either, but like my sister had an imaginary friend, I think, and you know, what was his name? Well, it was the jockey in the front of our house named George that she used to go out and talk to. <laughs> That's so goddamn creepy, man. See, so can you? Okay. So, so, okay, so maybe you're proving my point. Really creepy kids out there that I just never met before. Because holy shit, that would spook the hell out of me. Some kid goes up to the jockey in the front of the yard and starts talking to it. I'm like, you know what? Kill that kid. That's, I mean, <laughs> they're commuting with the devil. Well, I don't know. I uh, might be too I, Catholic I, for my own. Good I, I, I feel like I feel like the um, genetically Catholic. I'm an atheist. The, pro- the problem I have with 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 her character is just really hard for me to like see that character and see the dialogue that she does in a in a way that's like like open-eyed because i just remember it that that phrase constantly being repeated and and whenever they had trailers for another poltergeist movie she was always in it so it's just like it's it's not something that you could easily well, you just, what you're seeing is what i see when i look at it with even very fresh eyes which is that it is purely marketing it was purely market research says the cute kids sell <laughs> oh i get what you're saying you know? that's probably the case it, that's probably the case but i mean i'm sure that's that that's also probably why there were star wars sheets on the bed do you know what i mean because they wanted to you know and there's that, a, that might have been more of an homage you know was, i don't know there was also a tie fighter rolling on the floor and a couple of other again, things like that, that was that the looks toys like in there my... were exactly what most kids had at that yeah, time like, that looks so, like my that, room that's that's <laughs> true it's a but, case where it's it may be marketing, but it's a hundred percent accurate marketing. It, it is, but I also I also feel the stealthy hand of George Lucas, you know, <laughs> moving these I into. Had, yeah, <laughs> I had star I had Star Wars sheets, and I had at least half the toys that were in that room. I did not own the clown, but I owned a lot of the yeah, toys. My cousin Dave had a clown, clown like that, and it used to freak me out. So. Um, <laughs> My, uh, I had a grandmother that collected those little Harlequin statues. Ugh. Ugh, yeah. I, they're just, there's, again, something unearthly about them. Because, like, why would you take your face and make it look as much like a bleached skull with red, bloody eyes as possible? Like, why? Yeah, I... Who was like, that's funny? It is? Who are you? But... Do, you think, like, do you think immolation is funny, you psycho? But, see uh, the same cast of creepy kids who talk to mannequins in the front yard. The other anyway, thing, I, I did want to talk anyway. about the parents smoking pot in bed and reading a book because <laughs> yeah. they were reading they were reading a book on Reagan, but they were smoking pot, which seemed like an odd. Like I, think I would expect the. Of, I think there was an element of social satire to that because it was a common comedy thing about the fact that so many boomers who were these had been the year before like the ultimate people as far as being you know socially conscious they like they've now got these houses and mortgages and they're all voting for reagan i mean okay. it was just common comedy of the early but the movies. thing is i i get that that was the comedy but i feel like the reality growing up was that the parents that were like voting for reagan were not the ones i remember smoking the pot so much do you know what I mean i remember it being more well i think it was yeah. these are hypocritical no, they were they were, they were a part of that but uh because if they were successful, depends how much money they made, basically. <laughs> but, but I don't know. It just doesn't match my memory of you know the you know how people were. But uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, there's. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm not saying everyone did or anything. But, everyone that smoked pot in 1980 voted for Reagan. But everyone. that was a, that was another part of the movie that kind of makes it a little bit harder 
to like the family, even though it's not. I mean, it's not like the, it's not like they're sitting there punching their kids in the face or something awful. But the fact you that they're kind of little girl in the face, that'd be fine. But they <laughs> no more taglines for you. He does. Lady. He does threaten to spank them, but he also clearly says that he's never spanked his kids. Um, yeah, which yeah. is something I think that is worth pointing out because there's this impression that uh, I think has been kind of created by uh, Stranger Things that, that 80s parents were just universally, uh, you know, much more disciplinary and all these things. And this is an early example of a you know of the dad you know saying that he never he never you know used physical discipline or anything. So, um, but uh, what, what were we saying when I? went off on that tangent um <laughs> it makes the parents less likable oh yeah yeah so i don't know i just i just i just thought that kind of was like ah why are they doing that do you know what i mean like they got kids in the other room you know like I, it, it it was a thought it was that entered my head and it disrupted my ability to like them for a moment do you know what i mean i i i just found it funny that it's like she that the, you know when, when the kid walks in her like her reaction is to take one more really quick hit before she hides the joint. It's just, it's just like okay. I really wanted to know what the fun. son thought of that too. Like if he was like if he knew something was up, or if it was just he had this I innocence about it. Yeah. yeah, this movie thinks He's... kids are stupid, so yeah. I'm willing to believe their kids are. Stupid. I, I feel like I feel like the mom was giving enough signs that she was doing something she wasn't supposed to do that a kid would have you know mm -hmm. sense that do you know what i mean but it depends how much in his own, uh, own stressed out nightmare state he is that's I would true say. yeah that's true but, uh, I, if i'd come in from like because my mom was a huge pot head too so like if i come into my mom's bedroom because i had a nightmare and she was like blazing i probably would assume it was a cigarette without investigating yeah. further the only real tip off for me as a kid was that it smelled really differently oh there was so. and one other good characterization that they did do with the family there was there's that one scene where the the older daughter you know does this but she does it in a really style like she does like the motions are all kind of set up slowly and it it was mm -hmm. very effective, and I always remembered that scene for some reason. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like I want to do that to somebody one day, but I, I I'm not. I did uh, like the older daughter. Yeah. I think of all the kids, she's my favorite. Well, she's the most yeah. like, I don't know. She's probably the most in line with the audience's jadedness about all this stuff. Like the yeah, the, um, when the when the when the when the when the little girl is burying her bird and she's saying the prayer. And you know, she's like, "Oh, please!" God, you know, it's just so saccharine, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, I like that she rolls her eyes at that. Um, that kind of redeemed that scene. Any, any scene the older daughter is in is kind of redeemed for but, me. But I do think the mom was that. the most likable character in the film. Like yeah, she, she was really exactly. like, if that if if she wasn't in the movie, it would have really fallen apart. In my she, yeah, she's really the heart. You believe a lot more that she's like the emotional center of this family. Yeah. You know, I don't think Craig Nelson. There's, there's a distance to Craig Nelson. Do you know what I mean? There's a distance with him that's that's maybe yeah. important for the film, but it would you know you you need somebody that doesn't have that distance paired. With yeah, him. It, it wouldn't have been yeah. even slightly believable without her in the role, and she really power moms her way through this role. Like you believe that she is a mom, that she's like really into raising her kids. Yeah, I, yeah. it's oh. great performance and a great performance in a way that that carries an important aspect of the movie. So. Also, I want Adam's opinion as a real estate professional because this movie is all about real estate, and uh, and we and we hear like he's apparently this ace salesman where he sold what forty three percent of the homes in this yeah. in this development area. 
and he can, didn't get partner, I would have quit. Well, can you can oh, you man. can you add anything to that? Is it is is there anything that speaks to you about this movie from a real estate perspective that's worth commenting on, or is it? I mean, it's not. I mean, my my job's a little different because I I don't I don't you know basically he's a salesman who works for a you know development that's selling homes in that development specifically, whereas I'm someone who just buys and sells homes in the general public rather okay. than being an employee. I'm kind of out there freelancing. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the whole development thing, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> dealing with homes and developments can be uh, interesting as far as their backgrounds. But I, I will say, as the son of a salesman, one thing I would have liked to have seen in this movie is more yeah. evidence of his stellar sales abilities in the film. <laughs> not like Not literally him selling you know something that nobody else in the world would buy but just like some visible sign in the film that this guy has yeah, that, really strong sales and the important thing to know about salesmen is that they don't just sell the thing they sell they sell everything they sell their personalities they sell their jokes they sell their ideas they sell they sell and they get results. well they build relationships they, they build relationships mm -hmm. and then you don't you know you so that you know you want to buy from this person you feel guilty if you don't want to buy from this person you know there's like a mm -hmm. yeah, but mm -hmm. but uh but i'm just i don't know i, I was uh uh i mean i'm sure I, I i it's not that i doubt that his character's a great salesman it's just that they made a really big deal about how good of a salesman he is yeah i, was thinking, like, I really i really kind of want to know why he's such a good salesman because that sounds like 43% of these homes and that's a lot. He, and he that's said like seven what, I forget how many millions of dollars he said it was but it was a lot of money and it was in 80s dollars so like you know I, I uh, <laughs> it was in 80s dollars yeah. there's Reagan dollars yeah. there yeah but, I and mean, some of the developments around here have like 1500 homes you sell you know 45% of those that's uh, it's not and, and, the, and these are homes that individual families live in so it's not like he went to like some company and sold 20 homes he had to yeah. each of these had to be a single sale <laughs> that he made so yeah you know so I just was thinking about that and I was just like I really want to know more about that part of this guy's personality um, uh, yeah, and, outside of just this limited scope of what he does in this movie you don't get really a good the, feel for the broader life he lives the, the I like, only I like the, I like the, I like disappointing people with his job though because basically as a real estate agent if I bring someone to a development to their office and I introduce someone and I present my card I get a cut of their commission so nice <laughs> so maybe he was just doing that we, we I did look get on their face and I hand in the card they're like oh we did get the scene yeah. when he's in front, when he's like looking in the mirror and he's kind of sucking his gut in and out where you kind of get like a, a better sense <laughs> of his personality when he maybe isn't at home. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Um, yeah. So any other thoughts on, <laughs> on Poltergeist? I know this is kind of a, uh, you know, this is a movie I'm, I'm, I'm not as enthusiastic about, so that might've, that might've affected, uh, the conversation oh, i might have poisoned the yeah. well but um... no i don't think it poisoned the well because i watched no, this without your input and like i i feel like i've soured on the movie a little bit as i've grown older and okay. more jaded and have more life experience as a kid i think mm -hmm. i loved this movie yeah. uh i didn't really know what the adult world was like and so i didn't really view it through that lens i viewed it through the lens of like childhood and as a child i don't really care what the internal logic of a ghost is they're spooky and then the guy peels his face off yeah. Ooh. 
I mean, like, and there's that one scene where the guy is like eating the food. And it's like, like the the pork chop is like moving away from him, like inching away, right. inspiring a thousand heavy metal videos. And then he like he throws down the chicken leg, and there's maggots worming out. And it's like that's a genuinely wonderful, disgusting scare. I, you know, there's lots of nippy little things like that in this movie. So the food as a kid, scene, the food scene was good. I also feel like there was a weird thing with chicken wings being in drumsticks that we got a lot of in the 80s. Do you know what I mean? There was something something about that scene reminded me of like the scenes in Gremlins when they have like the the chicken and they eat it after midnight. Do you know what I mean? Um, where the chicken wing just looks a certain way and it's, I don't know. Um, I, they, they have a unique kind of shape, you know? And, and yeah, it makes them photogenic for very specific that, uses like that. That cut of beef was a little too good to be true, though. I have to say, that cut of beef he pulled out of the fridge. Yeah, uh, I know, I know. What was, I was, he, like, what this... was his plan with that? Was he going to cook well, himself an entire, like, that, steak? He was going to cook Dude. it on a... He got out a little, little like, you know, saucepan there, and he was like... I'm going to get a snack. That was not a... equal. I'm going to cook myself a T-bone steak. Jeez. And it was yeah. a two-inch... It was like strange. a two-inch T-bone, and it was just... It was just hanging out in the fridge. It wasn't like... I don't know. Yeah. And then he just puts it on the counter. He doesn't even put it on a, yeah, on a, plate, a plate or, plate or anything. Yeah. And you must, I, to be fair, I really trust that mom to be a great housekeeper. I'm I mean, sure. Like, I'm sure. But so. it's also weird to stay at somebody's house, go into their refrigerator and take out a yeah. big giant steak in the middle of the night and just cook it for your, not, not a, even if they said to you, eat anything you want in the fridge, you wouldn't stink up the whole house after 2 a.m. or something. Yeah. With, it's such a, a weird a choice, you know? Because he already so, had pre-cooked chicken he was eating from the microwave. Yeah. That's a completely reasonable snack. I'm also going to just, you know, get a little filet mignon <laughs> in. Let's just all a flambe this. Yeah, I, puts his little chef toque well, on. I, you know, as far as remembering the movie incorrectly, it's like I my memory was that it was Craig T. Nelson's character because I think mm. my brain just couldn't accept the fact it was just one of those random people that was hanging out in the house mm. that was making a steak. So I think that's why I kind of switched that around. In yeah. my memory. Yeah, I thought Craig T. Nelson was, like, drinking a tequila, and he, like, drinks the worm, and then he goes in and peels his face off. I thought that's what happened. Were we hmm. supposed to think that the psychologist had a drinking problem as well? Was that part of the deal with her and the, the bottle that she had? Or I don't know. I think it was just that she had it. I think it was just a way of saying, that's how scared they are. Look, okay. we need to drink. And then the next day, when they, when they show it's empty, it's like, whoa, you know, we drank all of that because we're that freaked out. Yeah, no, yeah, I, just, I just was wondering. I just was curious if yeah. it was... Um... I, it could be, but I, I think it was just, you know... You know just, uh... Uh, again, it's a very Spielberg thing where they'll, like, they'll introduce the... You know, we've got to de-stress with some cigarettes. The next day, yeah. they'll just be these, like, cigarette butts everywhere. Mm. Okay. It's a Spielberg okay. move. So, yeah. So yeah. So so I don't know. Any any additional final thoughts? Oh, I've soured on it as I've grown older. But it gave me a lot of good love in in the interim. I did watch this movie pretty not religiously, but pretty much every Halloween I would watch this movie and I would generally get a kick out of it. Okay. Um, I feel like I've been hard on it this time. I've really really ripped into it, and I don't feel bad for being into it because it's, it's a lot of this is just trash. However. However, I do think this movie has a lasting appeal. Um, I, I'm going to watch it again next year, most likely, and I'm probably going to enjoy it just as much as I always did. Um, I, there's, there's, it's like going to a familiar fun house, you know, where it's like, yeah, you know what all the scares are, and maybe they don't have the same impact they did when you were a little kid, but there's something about it that's kind of nostalgic and nice. So, yeah, I, I, I'll give it its, its other half star back. It can be two and a half stars. <laughs> Adam, how about you? Yeah, I 
have similar feelings. I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's definitely not not a great horror movie or anything, but it's a it is a fun ride, I think. I think it's mm. and it's a good movie for kids. I think that like you know, at a certain age, once they get to the point where they are watching horror movies, this is a this good, is good training wheels, yeah. Good horror. training wheel horror movie. Because yeah, like I said, there's nothing it's scary, but ultimately when you get to the end of the movie, you're like, oh yeah, everything's okay and nothing too terrible happened to anybody. Oh, even the ghosts go to heaven. Come on, folks. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, you know, it's it's fine. But uh yeah, I will say, just as a random final thought here too, it's interesting that you know, when people do make fun of the movie, the uh, the thing they always make fun of is that last act. Why didn't they get out of the house right away? Why are they why are they putting the kids to bed in this house? Why are they still in this house? And it's funny that a movie that early on sets up the premise that a poltergeist is a ghost attached to a person that follows them. Why, you know, if you're doing a movie about something that's going to follow people no matter what house they're in, why not use that? Why not have them move partway through the movie and nothing changes? It just seemed like a interesting thing to set up and then have them stay in the same place for the entire movie. I'm trying to remember if part, did part two continue with that concept of them being followed? I, Do you remember? I, I never really watched part two. I remember it being on cable, flipping past it, seeing bits of it, but I never actually sat down and watched it. Okay. So I don't. I, I know there was that creepy guy that was in it, but uh, I have I, almost I no memory of it. I saw it, but I don't remember much. And I had. Um, uh, I know I've seen part three as well, but I, I barely remember that. And I know she died during the making of part three, so that was uh, yeah. You know, one that I read about that. Um, yeah. I think I think part two is something to do. There's some creepy priest guy who's following the girl around because it's like there's something because she's been through to the other side and back again. There's something, you know, something magical that's of meaning to him. But I I don't remember the specifics. So it's not really about the ghosts following them or not. It's uh, it's it's a related but different plot. All right. So. So, yes, I mean, I I feel the same way I kind of did before. I mean, I, I. I think it clarified for me maybe some of the reasons why I wasn't so enthused about the movie, and there were things about it that I saw that it did well that you know I appreciated. But uh, it's it's just it's just uh, it, it's the, I wasn't looking forward to watching it at all. I like really put it off to the last minute, and then as I was watching it, I was kind of like I really want this movie to wrap it up. Can we get to the end? You know what I mean? Like that was so, so mm-hmm. you know. And again, you want an ending? We'll give you a three. Yeah, we'll give you, which makes it even worse. Now, you know, I kept I kept checking the running time because I was like, "Ooh, I think we're getting close to the ending here." You know, no, no, we still got we got another climax, <laughs> you know, to get to. Um, so, but but I will right. say I really did like the mom. The mom mm-hmm. was a, was a, uh, you know, just the performance was great. She was very likable and charming, and I th- I think that, uh, you know, the by the end of the movie that had kind of carried me through it. You know what I mean? That was the thing that really kept me in the film. Um, and I thought Craig T. Nelson did a did a good job too, which is his character isn't meant to be that kind of character. So yeah, um, you know, but he was very good at looking perplexed. I thought throughout the film, and, <laughs> and also when he was getting when he when he was starting to kind of like dr- like uh, really get haggard and drinking beer midday because uh-huh. you know that, those, those were good. You know, so yeah, I did like that when the guy from the office comes by and he's just yeah, I got the flu. <laughs> yeah. Yep, what are you gonna do? <laughs> so, so yeah, but but anyways, 
you know, that's so that's Poltergeist. Uh, what, what do we have lined up next? What's our next film that we'll be doing? Is it The House oh. on Haunted Hill? That's yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and then we've got Halloween after that. So, okay. um, yeah. And by the way, I'm going to, it's maybe more for after the podcast, but I have to shift that day on, um, uh, on, on the movie because, um, I have a dental appointment, but, uh, for the, for the next one, the or next the, movie, the next the one. scariest spook of the entire yeah. Halloween season, the dentist. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, so we'll be back on and, and until next time, we'll talk to you later. Thank you.